So how many of you met somebody for the first time? I just met Sharice. She had the bravery to come up and talk to me. Yeah. Well, we have some unfinished business from last week. How many of you were here for Mother's Day? I had some really great videos last week. We didn't get to see them or hear them, but I had some really great videos last week. Our computer upstairs crashed during the service, and those poor guys up there were just going crazy trying to make it work, and they couldn't make it work. But I want to tell you, I had some really great videos last week. And, and, and being someone who never takes defeat easily, I want to tell you that I still have some really great videos. And I'm going to show you one this morning in a few minutes. We have been looking at what Jesus has told us it takes for us to actually believe in him and to follow him. This last week, Kathleen Parker, who is a columnist for the Washington Post, wrote into the USA Today, wrote in the USA Today, regarding Franklin Graham's comments about Jesus being the only way to God and no other religions have that. And the offense taken by some in the Pentagon, not allowing him then to come on the day of prayer to pray in the Pentagon. You may have read about that. So she's talking about that in her column. And then she cites a survey done by a professor at Notre Dame. And here is what he found. And so I'm going to ask everybody age 35 and younger to stand. 35 and younger. Yeah, see, some of you are cheating. Okay, now I want you to just look at this demographic. Just look at it. According to the survey done, two-thirds of what you see standing here, two-thirds of this demographic in the United States, believes that a non-Christian, someone who does not call themselves a Christian, will still make it into heaven. Thanks, you can be seated. So you say, what do you think about that? Well, I've got to tell you, that if they're thinking about Christian being an organization, I probably have a tendency to believe the same thing. Because we have a lot of Christian organizations. We have Christian churches. We have Christian yellow pages. We have Christian businesses. We have Christian sports teams. We have Christian political movements. We have Christian fly fishermen. We, we have Christian Christians. And so if it means that I've got to claim to be one of those to get to heaven, then possibly then what they said is true. But see, the problem with all of that is this, that Christian in that sense is an adjective. Some of you are thinking now, man, I should have listened closer in English. What does that mean? It's descriptive. But in reality, Christian is a noun validated by a verb. In fact, a Christian or Christians are people who live like Jesus lives because they believe in who he said he is. So if you ask me, do all roads lead to God? My response to that is, you can find God in every road. Because how many of you we're on a road that was not leading to God and suddenly he showed up. 
you weren't headed toward God. In fact, the scripture says you were headed toward destruction and you know you were and suddenly God shows up in that place. So when I discovered God on my road, I discovered for the first time somebody who actually died for my sins. And I've got plenty. I found someone as I studied who he was and, and, and the history behind him and, and what the Holy Scriptures say and then study to see if the Holy Scriptures are actually accurate. I found one who did these incredible miracles. One who said he died for me so that my sins would be paid for and rose again so that I would have power to live the kind of life that he designed for me from the very beginning. Who said the kingdom of God is here right now. And there is this Jesus who in his culture that surrounded him, especially with the Romans around him, lived in a culture where as many of gods as you could figure out to make, they worshipped. And yet he had the audacity to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father but through me. So when I met Jesus, here's what Jesus said, I met you on your road, and your road's not really a good road. It's kind of like eerie in the spring. A lot of potholes, and you could disappear forever. But now that you know me, you put your faith in me, we're going to go on my road, and my road, I've got to let you know, is narrow and it's deliberate. So I want to pause here and say, if you have questions about that whole process of, is this scripture real, and is this whole thing about evil real, and is Jesus real, and why do people suffer if God is love? We did a series last fall called Hot Seat, Asking God the Tough Questions. You can stop by the media desk in the back and ask about that, and I would encourage you to listen to that because it'll answer some of those questions. So I'm driving down 12th Street on Friday, and for the first time, I see a billboard this huge billboard that says, Jesus is the only way to God. And you know what my response was? You say, well, you said amen. No, I don't. I rarely say amen. Amen? What I did say was this. Prove it. If you're going to say Jesus is the only way to God, prove it. Well, because I go to church and they said so. Prove that he is the only way to God. Because you've got a whole lot of religions out there that say this is the way, this is the way to find truth. This is, and, and you find truth in yourself and you're a spiritual being or you can go and, and it t- gives you all certain directions. So you say, but Jesus is the only way. I'm telling you, prove it. Say, so how do I do that? With the danger of making this too simple, I, I want to come to two places with this. The first is this that Jesus proved it by being here on the earth and people watched his life and they said, man, nobody teaches like this guy teaches. And look at the miracles. He's got to be the Messiah. And he proved it by his life. Jesus said, I'm leaving you now and you are now my body. You are now my flesh. You collectively are who I am on this earth. So now when they look at you, you have to prove it by your lifestyle how you live, what you say, how you speak, and the power that you exude out of you will demonstrate to the people around you like no other religion and no other God that this is truly God. It's up to you. But in addition to that, he said this, I also then give you my Holy Spirit, and my Spirit will convince and will convict. So you don't have to do the convincing or the convicting. All you've got to do is say, this is how Jesus lives, and the Holy Spirit will say, see that? That's what I'm talking about. This is God. 
and he will convince. That's how come you came to know Jesus, because the Holy Spirit convinced you. So here's the deal. I don't do the convincing and the convicting, but I have got to do the living. And so when Jesus said, come follow me, he said, these things are not optional. You have got to live this way. Otherwise, it's just a religion, and it's not any better than anybody else's. So we have, in these last months, boil it down to three personal responsibilities that we've got to have to be able to demonstrate who Jesus is in this world. And if the church does not do this, the world will not know who Jesus is. The first is this, color every friendship with a Jesus caring. Every friendship. It was great Jesus was known as the friend of sinners because Jesus had great friendships. Friendship is not a means to an end, it is the end. And so would you just say after me, color every friendship. That's what we got to do. The second thing is character reproduction of Jesus. We have got to look like Jesus. We've got to live like Jesus lives. It is the living proof of his resurrection that he lives in us now. So say with me, character reproduction of Jesus. The third one is a word that we've made up, and I've told you that you can have action without passion, but you cannot have passion without action. And so we made this word, what's it called? Compaction. Compassion and action together. Compaction. And so we've been studying these last weeks these, these active verbs, because verbs are action, and they're verbs that Jesus exuded out of him. So Jesus said, if you want to be like me and follow me, then you've got to serve people. So he washes their feet. And Paul the Apostle said, if you really want to know how to serve, you've got to, you've got to really care. And then he demonstrates that care by saying, you've got to care like a mother who's nursing her child, that kind of compassion. And that brought us up to last week because I had some really great videos. And so this morning, by faith, I want us to look at again at the great compassion of a mom. How much does mom care? Take a look at this. Get up now, get up now, get up out of bed. Wash your face, brush cheek, comb, see if you hit. Here's your clothes and your shoes. Hear the words I said. Get up now. Get up and make your bed. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework? And grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget. You got faith in cat. It's breakfast. It's for sale. This is the most important meal of all. Take a vitamin so you will grow up one day too. Baby, and tall. Please remember the orthodontist will be seeing you every two days. Don't forget your piano lesson in this afternoon. So you must play no trouble. Too slowly.
I'll set you straight in the food. I put up on your plate, get an egg, get the door, don't go with me, get a group, get it here, I'll have the three, get a job, get a life, get a PhD, get a job. some great videos. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. So, Paul says, care like a mom. And if we're going to do that, then we have to prepare ourselves to be caring. And that brings us to this spot today, and we begin by saying this, if we're going to truly care for other people, we must remove excess baggage. I'm borrowing some thoughts this morning from Kathy, who's part of our support staff, who this last week in a staff gathering shared some thoughts regarding this, and, and I quote from her with her permission. She says, I'm sure all of us at one time or another have traveled on an airplane. I don't particularly care for airplane travel and consider it a necessary evil to get quickly from one place to another. Invariably, I usually pack way too much stuff for any given trip. How many do that? and have more than once had to pay the extra money for the extra weight of the luggage. As I drag the luggage from one terminal to another, I start thinking, what was I thinking? About halfway through the trip, I'm ready to dump it all. I want to propose to you that all of us begin to discover sometime in our life that we're carrying too much stuff. That on this journey in life, we are just, we are just carrying too much stuff with us. I was in an airplane, and it was getting off the plane. We had landed, and there was this woman who had a child, I guess the baby was about nine months old. She had a car seat that she'd brought on the plane. She had a carry-on, and she had her, her uh, purse. All of that trying to get out the plane with the baby to get to the stroller so she could rearrange all that stuff. Way too much stuff. And there's this guy who's getting off the plane who is really packed lightly. He, he hardly has anything. And so he goes to her and says, Can I help you carry your stuff? And she was just so relieved. And so he did. As simple as it may seem, here's a truth I want you to grasp. We can't care effectively unless our load is light. And we can talk about all we want about caring for people and sharing, but unless our load is light, we're not going to get anywhere with that. Remember, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden down, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
So if we follow Jesus and take his yoke, which means learn to do life the way he does life, and his burden is light, then what does that make our burden? Light. Paul the Apostle had just said to the church at Rome, each of you is uniquely gifted. Each of you have the ability to care for people in a divine way because I've given you divine giftings and abilities. But he says, before you can do that, you have got to get rid of excess baggage. You have got to pack light. And so he says this in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. See, most sacrifices don't have a say in their performance. If you're a lamb and it's a day of sacrifice, they pick you up, they throw you on an altar, and you can't negotiate. Most sacrifices don't have the opportunity to negotiate. Pam showed me a picture this morning of some friends that, we, that are good friends of ours still in Oregon. And about 15 or so years ago when we left Oregon to come here, we had dinner with them the last week we were in Portland. And so we went out to eat at a very nice restaurant in downtown Portland, had a great time, came out into the parking garage. I was driving, and Brett was sitting right next to me in the passenger side, and Pam and Tara in the back. And Brett says, here, let me, let me pay for the parking. Well, it's nighttime in Portland, Oregon, and the parking rates are down low, so it's about 3 bucks. and so he hands me a 20. He hands me the 20. It's $3, and this is the last time we're going to be with them. So I turned to the guy taking the money, the $3 bill, and I'm giving him a 20, and I said, keep the change. And I left. Brett said, that was my money. I said, thank you for your sacrifice. He couldn't believe I gave his money away. Paul said, most people don't have an opportunity to negotiate their sacrifice, but you do. I urge you, therefore, brothers, to present your bodies as living sacrifices in view of God's mercy. Th that word mercy is that quality in God that motivated him to rescue us from our sin, our guilt, and our shame. He said, in view of that mercy, now see, most religions, you've got to go to God with a sacrifice to get the mercy. God, if I give you this, then you'll help my crops. If I give you this, you'll help us in warfare. If I give you this, you'll help us to have lots of kids. If I give this to you, then you will, and, and so you negotiate with God. Here's my sacrifice, I get back in return. God shows up, Jehovah God, through Jesus Christ, and says, I'm giving you my mercy without anything. It's my love to you. But now, as a result of that, something amazing happens. That when you come in contact with that kind of love and you connect with God, that kind of love just courses through you so that you want to return to God everything that you are because you are so grateful. It is a fitting response for us to sacrifice to the one who gave his life for us. It just is, it is part of the characteristic of someone who is thankful for what God has done. Not to earn anything, but an expression of gratitude and thanks. So I urge you, therefore, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices. So we come with a sacrifice, and Paul describes it. Give your body. The word used there means more than the exterior expression. It means what's on the inside. Who you are inside, peering right now through those beady little eyes of yours, that's that person inside there. 
That person who's thinking right now and calculating, wondering if you should listen or text. That one. He said, I want you to give the totality of who you are. For it is your spiritual worship. So let's define that. Spiritual. So I know what spiritual is. It's when you talk like this. And it's a move of God. It's service. It's that w- how we change our tone when we pray. And we say amen after the other word. And it's, it's that. No, it's not, it's not at all. That word spiritual actually means intelligent and deliberate. That you have made an intelligent decision and deliberately are going to do something. What is it? He said your spiritual Worship. You say, oh, that means we come to God and we deliberately come to God and with intelligence we worship him. Well, that's part of it, but the word actually means service. It goes like this. You have come in contact with the one who has forgiven you for your sins by his death and in view of that mercy, it creates within you this desire to love him and so you sacrifice. You say, here's my entire body and what I will do with this body is that I will find ways to serve God and other people deliberately and with intelligence great intelligence. This is the best way that I can serve God. Paul said, I I urge you to do that. Now listen, when the priest came to give the sacrifice, the priest had to come consecrated. It means this, that he couldn't drag along his luggage. He couldn't bring this old baggage. And we all deal with this. It's our old, dirty laundry. You say that from your house? Yeah, it is. I've already gone through it. Nothing embarrassing in it. You see, the priest could not come with that which has not been dealt with by God. He had to be cleansed to come to sacrifice. I want to tell you that if we are going to serve other people in God, we've got to deal with this dirty laundry. You say, well, what is that? I want to return back to some comments that Kathy made this week. Remember when baggage was just a suitcase? You can open up your closets and take stuff out and pack it and can sometimes be described as unattended, lost, too heavy, and it was literally that. Now I can recite a list in George Carlin's style that says, in today's world, baggage is an affliction, an anxiety, a barrier, a block, a blame, a care, a concern, a dead weight, deterrent, detriment, difficulty, disability, disorder, drawback, embarrassment, encumbrance, grievance, handicap, hang-up, hardship, hindrance, impairment, impediment, injury, issue, limitation, load, misfortune, misshape, uh, obstacle, obstruction, restraint, restriction, shortcoming, sorrow, strain, stumbling block, task, trial, trouble, weariness, and work, and worry. And I probably didn't name some of yours. I urge you, therefore, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices holy. The word means that you have dealt with the dirty clothes. That Jesus comes into your life and he says, too dirty. I can clean this and use this. Oh, way past its prime. Ripped. I can use that. And you let God start through your dirty laundry and he will begin to clean out what needs to be cleaned out and can be used on your journey and the rest of it he jettisons. But you cannot serve to a great degree until you take care of this laundry. And he usually does it one piece at a time. So how do you do that? 
I urge you, therefore, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul says, do not conform to the world. What he's saying is, do not conform to the aeon, is the Greek word, to the age where all your dirty laundry lives. Get out of your dirty laundry. You take it everywhere you go. You traipse back and forth, and you should have dealt with it, and you haven't dealt with it, and there you are, you're surrounded by it, and he says, you've got to get free of that. Don't conform to this. In fact, to the church at Galatia, he makes this incredible statement. Galatians 1, verse 3, So I greet you with great words, grace and peace. We know the meaning of those words because Jesus Christ rescued us from this evil word, the aeon, that age of dirty laundry, we're in by offering himself as a sacrifice to our sins. He said, I have come and I've already pulled you out of this thing and yet you continue to carry it with you. Why do you do that? You say, but how do I get free from that? He says, don't conform to this. The word conform there actually would mean to renunciate this life, to renunciate the garbage, to renunciate that habit, that guilt, that shame, to renunciate it and say, it's not part of me anymore because I came to Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. The old has, it's gone. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word means to renew that you renew. You see, both the renunciation and the renewal happen simultaneously. So every day, you're going through saying, I'm not part of this. I don't live this anymore. I don't have to have those feelings anymore. I can walk through this without having to deal with this because I am this. I am new. I am fresh. I am something new in Jesus Christ. He said you do that by renewing your mind which means you go back to that place that you made that commitment to Jesus and said, I trust you. And you look again at the necessity and the legitimacy of what you did. I needed to get out of that, and he has given me the authority to be free. I just want you to say that. He's given me the authority to be free. Say it out loud. Man, we've got to believe that. So here we are, and life says, oh, same thing today, same dirty laundry. You're going to carry this from place to place to place, and you're not going to be able to help anybody else because this is way and way, way heavy on you. And you say, no, no, I renunciate that. I renounce it. And then what you do is you begin to declare, this is who I am in Christ. So I did this yesterday just for the fun of it. I went on Google, and I Googled who I am in Christ. It's amazing what I found. Saved me a lot of work. So you are here today, and you say, oh, this morning I got up and I had the, the same thoughts and then the same oppression, and, then, and, 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 and God says, pull back. Renounce it. Say, no, that's not me. Declare who you are, who I am in Christ. 
I am God's possession, God's child, his workmanship, friend, temple, vessel, co-laborer, witness, soldier, ambassador, building, husbandry, minister, instrument, chosen, beloved, precious, jewel, heritage. Oh, but it's calling me back. Renounce it and declare, I have been redeemed by the blood, set free from sin, set free from Satan's control, set free from Satan's kingdom, chosen before the foundation of the world, predestined to be like Jesus, forgiven of all my trespasses, washed in the blood of the Lamb, given a sound mind, given the Holy Spirit, adopted into God's family, justified freely by his grace, given all things pertaining to life, given great and precious promises, given ministry of reconciliation, authority over the power of the enemy, access to God, been given wisdom. Oh, but, and it calls you back. You say, I've got to renounce that. I've got to renounce that. So he says, I'm not done yet. We'll get there. I am. I am complete in him, free forever from sin's power, sanctified, good for the master's use, loved eternally, eternally kept in the palm of his hand, kept from falling, kept by the power of God, not condemned, one with the Lord on my way to heaven, quickened by his mighty power, settled in heavenly places. I am the head, I am not the tail. I am light in the darkness, candle in a dark place, city set on a hill, salt of the earth, his sheep, citizen of heaven, hidden with Christ and God, protected from the evil one, kept by the power of God, secure in Christ, set under rock, more than a conqueror. How are the interpreters doing down here? Good? All right. Jeff, just make it up as you go, buddy. <laughs> Born again, a victory, healed by his stripes, covered by the blood of Jesus, sheltered under his wing, hidden in a secret place of the Almighty. Tomorrow morning, you're going to get hit with, oh, it's that old life, and you got that old thought, a pat, that pattern of thinking, and, and it's going to be bad. And, it's, and he says, no, renounce that, because I have access to the Father. I have a home in heaven. I have all things in Christ, a living hope, an anchor of my soul, a hope that is sure and steadfast, authority to tread on serpents, power to witness, a tongue of the learned, the mind of Christ, boldness and access, peace with God. Faith is a grain of a mustard seed. Oh, but no, I, I, uh, no, no, I'm not going back there because I can do all things through Christ. I find mercy and grace to help. I come boldly to the throne of grace. I can quench all fiery darts. I can tread on the serpent. I can declare liberty to captives. I can pray always and everywhere. I can chase a thousand. I can defeat and overcome the enemy. I can tread Satan under, the, under my feet. And so this laundry says you've got to come back to the way it was. You say no because I cannot be separated from God's love. I cannot be perished or be lost. I cannot be moved from him. I cannot be taken out of my father's hand. I cannot be charged or accused, and I cannot be condemned. And, and see, that's just the first page. You've got to get rid of the laundry. And you've got to renounce what the old thing was and say, this is who I am. And you can't do that by just coming Sunday morning and saying, hey, tell me what that was again. You've got to study this stuff. He's given you all of those words in his scripture. And we have groups that gather together to study and people study together. And the scriptures were never intended for you to just to study on your own. They were supposed to be brought before community. And everyone to declare, we renounce this stuff and this is who we are in Christ. And the world looks at us and goes, oh, there's God. There's God. So I want Pastor Jason to come up, if he will. He's going to bring with him Chris and Aaron. And, and these folks have been with us for about four years going to school in the area. And they've got this, this great thing that's happened to them. This stuff is being taken away from them. And they're finding out who they are in Jesus. And, and they're, pre they're preparing themselves and have been serving. So Pastor Jason, introduce these guys and, and tell the story. If I turn mine on. <laughs> I want to introduce you to a couple of friends of mine. Uh, this is Chris and his wife, Erin, and uh, as Pastor Jack said, they've been with us now for about four years, and I met these two guys uh, about three years ago, and I remember it was a Wednesday night, and I looked out as I was teaching the Bible study, and they were sitting there. I said, oh, the new faces, you know, 
and uh, they both boldly came up and uh, introduced themselves. And ever since then, we've grown in friendship. So I've been walking with these two for a good three years, and uh, we've really come to cherish our friendships. And they came as knowing Jesus as their personal Savior, and uh, there came a point in their lives where Jesus started to work on their dirty laundry in their lives. And I never said anything to them. They just came and it started with Chris, and he says to me, you know, hey, look, I got some dirty laundry that uh, I really need to get rid of. What do I do? And so I said, well, we can walk through this together, and we can grab a couple of people, and we can just begin to pray through these things in your lives so you can be set free. And uh, so, Chris, I'm going to ask you to share a little bit. Uh, even though you knew Jesus, what, was, what were some of the things that were just nagging at you night and day that you realized, I have to get rid of if I really want to be used in the fullness of God? Um. Okay. Well, I, first of all, I don't really like speaking in front of people, so I try not to stare. Um, so one of the, the biggest things for me, and I, I realized that this was somewhat generational in my family, was was anger. Um, you know, anger to always be right in a situation, to go for the jugular when you're in an argument. Um, you know, just to really make sure that you lifted yourself up when you were dealing with other people and, and with my spouse and my family and, and even friends that weren't related to me. So that was a big, big issue for me. And I realized that if I was ever going to, you know, show God's love, I was pretty much on the, the far end of the spectrum away from it in terms of how I dealt with other people. And so that, that, that was probably the biggest issue for me. Um, also, I, I dealt a lot with, with lust and, and addictions um, that I know it's, not, it's pretty common here in America. It's pretty popular. Um, so I dealt with those as well. But I, I think the biggest thing that I didn't even realize that, that this was kind of the surface that was holding me back from from really seeing God's love and, and for me enjoying who God is. I never really enjoyed the presence of the Lord. I always came to church, you know, went through the motions and really never felt like I was close to him or I knew God as a person as opposed to this amorphous force that somehow controlled our lives or something. So, Okay, so there came this point with, with Chris where his life began to change Uh, There was a transformation taking place in him, and those areas of anger begin to fall away, and those addictions begin to to loosen their grips and fall away. And so somebody in his home, which was his spouse, began to notice that there was a difference. But what I found was interesting is is that Erin comes to me, and uh, if I can share this, she comes to me and she says, you know, at first I really didn't believe in this. I really didn't feel that, you know, he was really going to be changed. And now I'm starting to see all these changes in his life. And so now that I see all these changes in his life and they're real, I'm just wondering, I have a lot of dirty laundry too that I need to take care of. And, I, and she says, what can I do? So Aaron, what were some of the things that, even though you knew Jesus, that you were struggling with um, and that you just really needed to get taken care of? Well, um, I guess I didn't really notice my dirty laundry so much until I got married. Um, and in the beginning of our marriage, I was so focused on Chris's dirty laundry, I didn't really recognize my own. But I have, I guess, when I, before I started this whole process, I dealt a lot with rejection and a lot of um, loneliness. And um, I had a lot of baggage from previous relationships, people I had been in relationship with before Chris that was really impeding my ability not only to get close to God, but to get close to my spouse. We've only been married for two and a half years, so, um, you know, I think we spent a lot of the first year trying to sort through dirty laundry, um, but those, um, rejection especially is a big thing, and I don't think it shows up 
in as obvious a way as something like addiction or anger. It's just one of those things that kind of undermines your relationships with people and um, gets in the way of doing the things that you really want to do to help others um, because you don't really believe that you have it in you to do it. So it was, it was a big blessing to be free of that. Awesome. So now you two have walked through this journey, this process of transformation, and you've seen a huge change in both of your lives together. And now you're walking this out. Uh, but God's calling you guys. Uh, you originally came to Erie to study for your doctorate, right? To be doctors and to go and uh, for what now for you? I'm doing pediatrics. Pediatrics and for you? I'm going to do internal medicine. Okay. So now, but God's called you guys to leave Erie, unfortunately, and to go to Portland, Maine. But as we've been meeting and talking, I know that God's just stirring things with, and you, Chris, I know for a fact about just being used of God. And what are some of those things that God is stirring you up with uh, into serving others in the hospitals that, while you're there? Well, one of the things that God's kind of been placing on my heart is, is really, um, it's, I guess, ministry in the marketplace, so to speak. And that's really bringing my, my love of Christ and, and living out Christ's life in my job. And it's not a very popular thing in medicine um, to have any kind of real spiritual faith, especially one in Jesus who believes that people can be healed without 10 drugs. So I, I'm really hoping to bring that into the hospital and, and, and bring his peace and his love into a place where so much death and sadness just often, that's where they reside. So. That's really awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing your story. Thanks, guys. So we've come to this point, and we've dealt with this. And we're just going to stop here now. Last night as I was walking through the notes for today, I felt like we got to this first point, and I got to the end of the first point, and God said, you can prepare yourself for the other following two points, but you're not going to get to them this morning. But I didn't trust him, so I studied those too but I'm not going to tell you about them now. Because here's what I want us to do. I'm going to ask Jenny and whoever else is going to bring with her to the worship team to come in just a moment. <clears throat> I'm going to invite you to begin dealing with the dirty laundry. Because honestly, we cannot care for others when we have this load. So for some of you, it's going to mean this. You're going to have to get a hold of Pastor Jason and, and say, I've got some really deep things and I need people to walk me through this and it's going to take some time. Others of you just know what it is and you need to start releasing it or you're going to go to a small group and say, help me. You're going to come find someone and, and be counseled. But you've you got to get rid of it. Some of you need to go to cleansing stream where they, where they really deal with those issues and pull that out. But you can't carry that anymore. Not in, in, in care for people. Some of you have carried that laundry so long that all you expect is that other people will care for you and that laundry has become your identity. And you're always miserable, always needing something and you can't even get it beyond your mind that you could help other people because you carry this for so long. It is for freedom you have been set free. That's what Paul said. And so either you get freedom or you haven't embraced it. And so this morning, we want to move you towards that freedom. If you don't even have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, in a few moments I'm going to invite you to, to talk with someone who would help guide you that way and confirm and affirm that decision. 
So here's how we're going to end. In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. And when we do, I'm going to invite the elders and their spouses to come and, and just stand here at the front. And then I'm going to invite you that would like to come and either pray by yourself or have someone pray with you about getting rid of this dirty laundry. That they're going to be here to do that while, while Jenny leads us in some worship expression. And if you want to know more about Jesus, they're here to tell you more about him and, and to help guide you the right direction. But this morning, we're going to stop right here. Because God's saying, I want to clean you up. See, God wouldn't even bring you here if he wasn't planning on cleaning you. And so I'm going to invite you to stand. Elders and, and staff and spouses, come and just take your place immediately. Uh, the optimum word was immediately. There you go. Come on. That's great. So they're just here to pray with you. So you want to come down and, and meet with some of them, a couple, an individual, whatever you want to do. But I want to pray for you right now because this whole service has been about God setting you free. And so may I pray a blessing on you and then you're welcome to come. And, and those who are going, please be cognizant and, and reverent about what's happening here. So now may you discover that the Jesus that has taken you on this narrow, deliberate road has come today to cleanse you. May the weight that you carry be lifted now. And will you, will you see with eyes you've never seen before the cares of the people around you and pour into their life by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's put within you. And may it be so obvious, as it was for Chris, when Aaron looked at him, may it be so obvious that they say, there's a change. It's, it's got to be Jesus. And may the world around you be changed because of the cleansing that's gone in your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. You're welcome to come and have prayer or to pray. And we're going to continue to worship for a little while.